Well, hello everyone and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host Bridget and with me is my co-host Shani. And today we're doing Authors at a Glance. Hi, Shani. Hi, Bridget. Well, this interview was so interesting and so amazing. I'm like, I feel very high right now. I agree. First of all, welcome to December. It is shaping up to be the time of season where I allow you to play holiday music at all times. So you're welcome. <laughs> And secondly, Liz was so interesting. I mean, like, what? It, like, she's lived all over the world. She's done so many different jobs and careers. And like, I thought the story of how she found her way to writing um, was so funny and cute. Um, it was amazing. I, it, her life is so interesting. Not only is it interesting, but it, like, I feel like when she's telling a story, it takes all these <laughs> different twists and turns that I oh, wasn't sure. expecting. Oh, for sure. So yeah. like, she doesn't. Ha- I feel like she doesn't have to dig too deep to find like great no. stories to write about. <laughs> Hundred percent, hundred percent. In fact, I tried to convince her to write a story during this interview, so stick around for that. It's pretty great. Um, I think we should just get right into it. This is Liz Crow, the author of What Happens in Denver. Let's get this shit popping, Johnny. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Well, hello, Liz. Thank you so much for being here. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, because I always think it's fun, is how many places have you lived? Because I was reading your bio, and it looks like you've lived in Japan, in Turkey, in England, in a variety of states, the United States. Yeah, I have. I have. Uh, you named them, basically. Um, we lived, we spent about eight years um, moving around overseas uh, for my husband's job. He was with Ford Motor Company at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we left uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I had... Um, five-year-old and a three-year-old and I was pregnant with my third uh, we went to Japan uh, Hiroshima Japan for uh, a joint venture Ford with Mazda and that's where Mazda's headquarters are Mm -hmm. Um, and so had Julia my youngest there and then we moved back to the states for him to finish that project Uh, we lived in Overland Park Kansas Mm -hmm. for about a year and then we moved to Turkey Istanbul there for two and a half years and then over to England uh, Bill and Ricky, which is in Essex, uh, east of London. So, that's yeah, awesome. <laughs> that's wow. awesome. First of all, I think it's mover. I could move in my sleep there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually really cool that your youngest is actually born in Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. She was. Um, and it's, uh, you know, for anyone who's had kids before, so I had, you know, the traditional hospital experience here in the U.S. with my other two, uh, and then had the traditional Japanese experience there, which was not a hospital. Now, granted, we had um, good care, but it's pretty standard good care over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the standard for mommies is to stay in the hospital for two weeks to rest. Mm-hmm. Of course. Oh. Um, and <laughs> I was in a, not a hospital or wherever you were. I was in a birthing center, which was cool. It was a building where my guy, um, the obstetrician's office was on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And then the upstairs were birthing rooms uh, and a restaurant, which was better than some of the restaurants I've eaten at like anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just surreal. You know, of course, the whole birthing part. I, I taught the nice Japanese nurses some cuss words. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, because they're very quiet when they even when they're having babies, they're very mm-hmm. like quiet. Mm-hmm. I'm not quiet. And so um, anyway, she was born and she was huge. She was almost 10 pounds. Cool. Um, <laughs> salt white hair blonde hair big blue eyes and it was a busy weekend at the birthing center full moon and nine babies were born and so there were nine babies like in the little nursery part 
Mm-hmm. Instead of being in separate little bassinets, they're like in a row, kind of in front of the window. Like they bathe them and wrap them up real tight, and then they put them in like a little row. And um, we were Julia was um, quite the tourist attraction. I'm <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> Huge, huge. The average Japanese baby is five pounds. That's just normal for them. And she was twice that. It's like she ate one of them or something. <laughs> so people were visiting their families, but they were like, oh, they have to go see the Oki Gaijin, which is the sure, big, foreign, sure. um, big foreign baby. Uh, but it was great. I mean, I, I stayed for six days, which felt weird. Um, and you know, every evening they would come and take the baby. They said literally to me, baby, go now. And I'm like, okay, bye-bye baby. <laughs> yeah, so you can sleep. <laughs> Went to the restaurant, like right next to my room and had f- like five star meals prepared mm-hmm. for me by a chef. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he poured the sake, like a little, little warm sake. And it's like, well, oh, makes your milk come in. I'm like, hell yeah, cheer it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's, first of all, that's amazing. And I, as I remember when I went to Japan, just the culture shock of it all. And I was like, I was, I was meant to live here. This is my, this is yeah. my. Um, it is. It is. It's a, there's a lot of really, really great things about it. Now, having experienced three, and I don't know if you can see, you guys can see behind me my three mm-hmm. pictures back here. My mom did these um, for the three countries he lived in. And because um, I had one thing in common, which was tea, like it's a tea mm-hmm. culture, tea yeah. drinking culture. Every, every one of those countries has its own kind of tea thing, which is cool because I love tea. So, um, but yeah, Japan had its own. Um, awesome coolness you know uh my kids went to school the international school and they rode a little bus we were kind of right downtown ish um and hiroshima is one of the smaller cities but it's still mind-boggling you've been to japan right big city yeah and it is you get out and it's like that movie lost in translation it is so much like that because you are like wow there's so many lights and so much happening 24 hours a day you You know know what i was super shocked by so the one thing I was super shocked by was the metro system and how clean everything is, right? So everybody is like very diligent about taking their trash and that sort of thing. But when I was on the metro, there was a woman with a coffee and she dropped it at, on the floor. Yeah. And she she had like a baby stroller with her, you know, she had her baby. She yeah. took she took the baby's blanket and cleaned the coffee off of the floor of the train. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, yeah. that's the type of country I'm in right now. Yeah, it is. It's, um, and everything is um, scrupulously clean and on time. On time. On the nose. Like the bullet trains, which were in its own thing, a mind-blowing concept. Because like, we would fly into Osaka and take the bullet train to Hiroshima. Man, those things go fast. And you don't even realize it, you know, until they come into the station. Room stop dead stop on time on the nose every like 300 don't they go up to like 300 miles an hour yeah yeah crazy (laughs) it's a crazy awesomely efficient way to get around um, in a country like that out of the three countries what was the one that you felt like um like the closest to in the end um, and it's weird because I am, um, I, my, my, my college degree is in English literature, but I had, I studied history as well, British history. So I was like, oh, oh, heaven. And I was in heaven in a lot of ways. I love London. If I were to go to any city right now to live my life, the rest of my life, I would go to London. Um, but, and I did love it. And we made, I made some friends with uh, my kids, one of my kids' friends, 
parent, her mom was a middle school English uh, history teacher. And she, we made friends and she's like, just come on all our field trips. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> all the things, like everything they do. And there's so much to see, right? I have every castle. I'm a huge like tutor uh, level, like that kind of part of English history, but also further back. Um, so we went to Stonehenge and all that stuff with these kids, right? And I'm like, oh, I'll help, you know, I'll keep them in line. And they were fine. You know, I was the one that was like, can someone go get her off? <laughs> But uh, but that said, that said, I think Turkey at the end, because um, Istanbul, and it's a different place now. When we were there, um, it wasn't quite as um, much of a police state as it is now. It wasn't. It was getting there. It was getting to be that. And one of my dear friends there, who was a historian who formed her own travel agency with her husband later, taught me all of this. Like, we went all over the country together, and she taught me the history. Um, and she said, this is coming, you know, this usually in the history of the Turkish Republic, which is young, only about a hundred years old, um, formed by a man, um, who was anti-religion and he's like, we, this country has been ruled by religion too long. We're going to be a firm kind of a police state kind of run by the military to keep the religious crazies out. That's how that's going to work. And in the history over the hundred years of history, um, the religious leaders would come in and try and take over the government. And then the military would come in and be like, no, it's a coup. Get out. Starting over voting now. Right. <laughs> That's just how it works. And it's not working that way right now. Yeah. Um, however, that said, I got to Istanbul and it was just a weird, it was hot. It was August, which everyone, no one was in town. And in Japan, everything was very organized. I mean, I literally had to think about nothing it's when I set foot on Japanese soil. Everything was planned for us from the get-go with my little kids, my husband's job, with the cars and the apartment and the furniture. I had a teacher, a sensei, who walked me around to the shop. I mean, no-brainer. Soft landing, I called it. We're like, I'm like, okay, I can do this again. It's like when you have one kid and the kid is easy, you have another one. Right? <laughs> so, uh, okay, Japan was cool. That was easy. Not easy. It was hard, but easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's do it again. Let's go to Turkey. Cool. Let's go to Turkey. I love, um, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm like, I'll travel to all the churches of Paul, all those Ephesus and all that, which I did do. Um, let's do it, you know? And we were like, we could travel to, when we wanted to go to Israel and visit, um, unfortunately the our timing was bad. So we didn't get to go to Israel, but, um, not a soft landing. <laughs> there was no one at the airport to pick us up. <laughs> we spoke no Turkish. Mm -hmm. And because it was, there was a mix up in communication and they forgot to come get us. <laughs> <laughs> and we had rented our apartment sight unseen because our pre-trip, the one we had wanted, um, we lost because we didn't understand the, um, the bribery nature of things, literally. Mm -hmm. Not like Mexico, really. I mean, you yeah. got grease and palms to make We didn't understand that. Right. So fine. We rented another place, which turned out to be a great place. Uh, but we go there and there's, it's empty. It's closed up. It's August and it's hotter than holy Hades. And I've got squawking one <laughs> under my arm, literally in a dirty diaper. And I'm like, all right, I'm out. I have my bag by, by the door. And I said, honey, I love you, but I'm not staying here. I, because the next morning I woke up in a city, a teeming, teeming city, 6 million people, I think in one, I don't know, crazy number beautiful view of the Bosporus. Amazing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is really great. Ha ha. Go to sleep. Wake up because there's a rooster. <laughs> no, 
Were you, on the, were you on the east side or the west side of the river? I was in, uh, we were in the European side. We were on okay. the European side. Because um, that's where they put all the expats, right? Um, we were in a beautiful Bebek, I mean, an upscale, like one of the nicer new money neighborhoods, whatever. That's where they put everybody. And I woke up, I was wake, awakened by a rooster. And I have nothing against farm animals. But I'm like, this is, this is hell. I'm not doing this. <laughs> So we, but but hard landing but they almost had to drag me out of there i did not want to leave because mm-hmm. once you get your mind around it and you make some friends the church people are the most amazing people mm-hmm. um it was hard to leave it was hard to leave i think of the three i liked all of them for completely different reasons mm-hmm. but of all of them turkey was the most dynamic mm-hmm. in one in the space of a half a day you could be like, this place is great. This place sucks. It's so awful. I mean, <laughs> it, it was like that. Whereas most of the other places, you know what to expect. It's like, okay, yeah. once you got around the Japanese culture and understood where things were and how to communicate. And I learned enough of each language to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, but Turkey was like, I just say to people, Istanbul is an, an amazing, awful, fantastic, terrible, dynamic, <laughs> stuck in the backwater place to live in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I highly recommend it. I do. How are they on time? How are they on like? Wait, if you they are manana. They're very. Thanks a lot. It will happen. You don't get done. I always and I got once you get used to that, and that's kind of how I operate. So I'm like, okay, I'm this. but um, but I remember when Greece. We when we came, we moved home, and then one of the Olympics was in Greece, right? At 2008 or sometime. And I remember people freaking out because things aren't done yet. I'm like, dude. The day of, it'll be done. Watch <laughs> yeah. these people that they're doing it on their timeline, and it's the same. It's the same kind of a culture, you know. And once you yeah. get used to that, you're good. Don't don't stress it because it'll happen. <laughs> I Could went be to more power. opposite. Could not be more opposite cultures <laughs> in terms of that, um, but also so many similarities. The tea culture, their languages are actually similar. The structure of the sentences. Mm-hmm. are very similar which was kind of cool when you're learning the language you know anyway, my, I went yeah. to Turkey for like three weeks um and my friend that I went with I had been traveling around the world for like eight months at this time and I got there and I'd been in Africa so I got there and I had to like throw all my clothes away and buy new clothes yeah. they were just like worn out yeah. and so we went like shopping and she had friends that we stayed with for a few days and everyone was just like so lovely and showed us around but it was definitely that like hey I was like I was like, I will be, we didn't have cell phones. I was like, I will be standing in front of this place at this Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. with my backpack waiting for you to arrive. (laughs) I was just like waiting there until she's like 5'10", blonde, blue eyed. And she like walks up and she's like, you're here. And we went, oh my God, I loved it so much. I thought my favorite parts of Istanbul were like, I mean, just every street you walk on the architecture is just astounding everywhere. And I love hamams. I could go to a hamam every every single day. Oh my god! I have so much fun, and I look. I got lucky. I got lucky. I had the friend who was um, the woman who, and I met her through the um, International Women's Club or whatever, because you always Mm -hmm. kind of gravitate to those places to meet people and get to things. And this woman was, you know, she was Turkish and she was a member of the the club, and she hosted our our walking around tours, like our walking around Mm -hmm. Istanbul tours. She would take us. You'd be walking around, you'd be like, this, are you sure? And she'd be like, mm-hmm. hold on. And you'd turn mm-hmm. a corner and you'd be like an Ottoman, mm-hmm. like an Ottoman mm-hmm. rose garden. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And she knew yeah, they take you in like this dingy doorway down a like creepy little side path, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get murdered. This is where this is where people get taken. This is where I And then and then they like open it up to this gorgeous like tile inside the home oh, room, and you're like, oh no, I'll just move in. I will move in, and you'll. Start <laughs> and then, and then the mom, the one, the mom, we travel all over, and I always and my my friend who figured out I like moms would be like, okay, we're gonna go to this one, we're gonna go to this mm-hmm. one. So I've been to a ton of them, like little teeny ones mm-hmm. and giant ones, full of mm-hmm. wicked people, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget the one. There's one in Istanbul, and I never made it to it and it was um a friend of mine who had married a turkish man an american woman and who had so assimilated like she was fluent you know and she was awesome she loved it and um she took me to this one like about a month before we moved to england and um it was the best one it was a famous one that i had never been to and i can't if i said the name of it people would know it Mm -hmm. um but that was the one where this little old lady (laughs) like they paid you you know, there's little old ladies yeah. in there and they wash oh, your yeah. hair and they, yeah. or they wax you, whatever you they want, right? Skin, they rub the oil in there. Like, I felt like baby and I wanted to just like stay there. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it was like, it was bizarre you know what i like is that they treat you like a piece of meat that's my favorite part is it like for them it's not like they're like you know they're they're obviously like you know they chat with us because we were you know two white foreigners everywhere we went in turkey and yeah, right but you know, they'd chat with us a little and my friend spoke a little Turkish, so we kind of get by, but like, they don't care. They'll like roll you over, slap you down, rub an oh, oil. Yeah. Oh like, my God. So I I did Turkey, Turkey <laughs> here, I, I came to appreciate the value of hard wax, right? Mm. So not the kind of wax that you put on and put a piece of paper on and strip it off with the paper, but the mm. hard wax, the kind that put the wax on, let it sit for a few seconds and pull mm. just the wax off. Mm. so in other areas right mm-hmm. um the american women would be like okay we got i got a wax lady and this lady we would go to her apartment and she was like <laughs> this 900 year old lady stirring yeah. the wax on the stove right <laughs> i'm like uh, is is sanitary? and then she yeah. would you know, she opened the door she had a room that was 100 yeah. percent sanitized because she had so many foreign um, sure. she didn't have his rep, right? You could hardly get in to see her, you know, but then she would just, so she just patted the table. It was my first time, first time with a, with a bikini wax, let's say only mm-hmm. like massive, like yeah, radical. All right. <laughs> and she like patted the bed and I'm like, and my friend's like, go on, sit down, sit down. Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right. So I had on a skirt. So I took off my underwear and I, I'm like sitting like the uptight. I mean, I can't. <laughs> And she's like patting my knee. She's like, and I'm like, and she didn't speak. Like she wasn't, yeah. she didn't want to talk or something. Yeah. I don't know. She couldn't speak. And she had, I could smell the wax, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, like giving me this dirty look. I'm like, look at my friend. Spread your legs. <laughs> Spread up. Yeah. She's like, open up. I know what's happening here. Come on. Don't waste my time. Right. And it's done in like 20 minutes. And it's wow. You know, <laughs> First time, and why did that spoil me? They don't do them like that here, you know. You got to find, you got to seek that out, right? But and so, having done some research and reading about this, um, because I ultimately am going to write a book, a fictionalized kind of memoir of my experiences overseas. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I looked it up. Basically, that whole sugar wax and all that thing was a function of um, 
and when um, the sultans had their harem, right, their women, mm -hmm. um, they, these are basically slaves, right? These were women who were brought in from countries they had captured, conquered. That's where these women came from. And they were always foreign. They're never Turkish. Um, and they would clean them all up, you know, the wax and the, no hairs. That's a thing. Clean, right? So that's where it came from, the function of that. And they kind of perfected it, you know, <laughs> way back. It's funny. It's funny because I see Instagram now ads on now that are for sugar wax, and it's like the new thing. It's gentle. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's gentle. It's whatever. It's you know. And I I always see those ads, and I'm like, you will not get me, okay? Because I I went to get waxed one time in my life, just one time. Yeah. Okay. The first time she put that she put the, she put that wax on and pulled it off. I said, Oh no, we're no, done. No, 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 we're, we're done. done. I left with half of a bikini no. wax. Half. <laughs> it was half done. I said, I'm not coming back. She's like, I'm not going to charge you, ma'am. Just go. Please go. Please don't tell anybody you were here. I had I had my eyebrows waxed one time when I was, I must have just graduated from college or high school. And, um, and I was like, this hurts so bad. Who would ever want to do this? regularly now and i blame you know it's a turkish thing i was spoiled because yeah the women, you got used to it. Uh, the women there it's a in istanbul istanbul is um very metropolitan and there's a yeah. lot a lot of money right if you've been there you know what i'm talking about like mm -hmm. the fancy hotels and the beautiful yeah. like we lived in a beautiful very expensive mm -hmm. flat area of flats overlook you know foreigner mm -hmm. rich people whatever you know foreign money it's and so and we were spending the company's money so we didn't care yeah but, um but they're very um vain the women and they're beautiful beautiful women like oh, with good reason them. right but the the blowout that's the first time i ever heard of a blowout and oh, yeah. you just go get your hair washed and set for your date you know? <laughs> and here we are americans are like yeah i might go get it cut every six weeks you know these women live in the salon and that whole mm -hmm. waxing and the whole thing i just the waxing that it stuck with me so to speak and every time everywhere i've lived i have found one place who will do that hot wax the hard hard wax and yeah thing and it, yeah. it 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 hurts but not even close to as bad as the paper strips yeah <laughs> and, wow we digress big time but that's, that's, like, okay. that's, that's what our podcast is about yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the name of my my, my fictionalized memoir and it's um because of all my experience i've got boy do i have some stories Woo, funny you know um it was one of those experiences where one's marriage is tested by various elements and so oh, yeah. you know all kinds of things happening especially because you have three little kids i have two little kids i have a four and two year old and i cannot imagine like like in your timeline i would essentially like be pregnant right now and then it would be like we're going to yeah. japan and i'd be like yeah oh and you're gonna be working full-time and not helping me that sounds I like i i never saw them, honestly yeah you a culture and that's kind of going to be the point of this you form a culture with the other wives yeah. And it is its own um, um, foreign wives club kind of feeling, yeah. you know, um, and there's it's um, and I, you know, I've been a soccer mom and all that stuff yeah. but It's like that, but not there's a whole sure. sort of other things going on. Um, but the title of the book is headache pay. What is it? Headache, headache what? pay. Mm -hmm. And here's why. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Istanbul, one of the first things um, your friend, you know, when you make your friends or you're, you know, in your club and stuff, or school, actually, I heard about this, like the first day when I'm dropping my kids off at the international school, they're like, oh, who's your help? And I'm thinking, 
um, what, you know, I don't, and they go, no, no, you have to hire somebody because that's what you do here. <laughs> now, this is a throwback, honestly, um, but that this is what they do because there are um, Filipinas there. And basically, you as a wealthy person um, are supposed to hire someone who needs needs the money, but is also very good at cleaning and taking care of your kids and whatever. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't need that help. I'm good. I don't even work. Right. What do you mean? I'm not doing anything. You know, what am I going to do? Yoga all day? You know, I don't know. And they're like, oh, no, no, you have to do this. This is just what you do. I'm like, okay. So I had a Turkish woman for a while and she was really great. Um, but then her mother got sick or something. So she, you know, and she cooked beautiful meals mm. and the guilt. I'm like, I don't <laughs> cook for me. Stop. You know, but she's like, no, no, no. This is like what you're paying me for in Turkish. And I don't understand a word of it. And we're, we're just like <laughs> a lot of nodding and thank you. <laughs> Delicious. You know, I learned how to say that. Um, but she had to, she had to go. And so I'm like, then my friend's like, Oh, well, you need a Filipino anyway. I'm like, I need a what? <laughs> and so they brought three or four um, young women to, for me to meet um, relatives of their own house help. Right. And these women, by this time I was, I had caught on a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of my social, you know, social things. What you do, you give back to people who need, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it. I can, that's fine. You know, um, I'd already passed on having a driver. Most of them had drivers. I'm like, no, I'm going to drive, you know? And I did. And it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but these women came and um, I, we talked, you know, um, and I ended up having a, a helper who was great. And I would adopt her. She's friends with me and my kids on Facebook to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's amazing. I loved her. Um, but when we were in, when I was interviewing, one of them said, do you, um, do you include headache pay? And I, you know, looking at my friends, I'm like, I don't know what this means. What does that oh, mean? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it actually happened to me. Okay. Oh, I, no. I'm not making this up. And the girl was dead serious, straight face, headache pain. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, and then my friend's like, oh, well, um, you know, when your husband has a headache. And when you have a headache and, you know, your husband comes home and you don't want to. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no <laughs> no i don't pay headache pay i don't even understand what it is sex bridget <laughs> your like, like when you, you don't have want a headache. like she would have sex with your husband i thought she was like giving you time to go yeah. have sex with your husband and take care of your kids or something yeah, but she said headache pain. I said, "Oh no, oh lord, I know where this is going." And I, you know, I told this story to a lot of people, and and you know when you tell a story a lot, and you're talking about stuff, and you're like, "Did I just make that shit up?" And I swear to God, I did not make it up. That yeah. actually happened, and I will never forget. I remember the living room I was standing in when we were just standing around talking, and mm-hmm. I'm like, did, "Do you really mean that? Is that a thing?" And my friend. One of my friends who was married to a Turkish man, and she goes, oh, yes, that's very much a thing. I'm like, oh, okay, not here, it's not. <laughs> not <laughs> in my house, it's not. <laughs> and that was, you know, an eye- and this is like the year 2000. Sure. I mean, where are we, 1920? I mean, what is this, you know? So there are, you know, it happens. Those rich yeah. foreigners, man, they got a reputation for paying for a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, and the, so that's got to be the title of the book, right? Um, that's a good I, title, yeah. My, uh, 
well, they didn't ask for headache pay, but my, my brother and his family lived in China for 10 years and they had their kid, two kids there mm-hmm. and they had the same, like they had an, they called her an AI, but they had like a, a housekeeping uh-huh. nanny uh-huh. helper lady. <laughs> yeah. And like when my, my sister-in-law moved back to the U.S., she was like, man, I had it so good. Cause like, oh, she didn't man. have to cook any of the food oh. for their family unless she, yeah. she loves cooking. So she would cook sometimes cause she liked it, but not because she had to every day. Oh, and like, she yeah. got to walk the kids to school and come pick them up. She worked, they, she worked part-time like teaching English, but like for the most part, she got to just like explore and read books and like hang out with my brother. And like they had it. So, and, and, you know, because they're in another place and they're making American money and they're, you know, paying. It's like so cheap with how much money it costs. And it's like, I would love to have one. It was this morning. I was like, God, I need a housekeeper. <laughs> I was having this conversation. Here's the thing. I got back to the U S and I'm like, now I really need her because I went yeah. back to work. I went back to selling real estate for a long time. And there I didn't, I wasn't even writing. And that's why I'm like, I wish I had been writing and I could have actually been. <laughs> I chose to do that when I was working full time and raising three kids without any help. But sure. um, she was amazing. She, Luin, love her to this day. Like I said, we're Facebook friends. And she's always commenting on the kids. My kids loved her. We took When we took her on vacation, I'm like, John, this is the weirdest thing. But it's really cool and nice. I like yeah. it. We need yeah. to do this often, right? So she would come. But the all kids, my friends, all like, my friends oh. always yeah. tell me if you, can, if you can afford to take a babysitter or a nanny or whatever, or like your mother-in-law or your mom or something on vacation to take yeah. care of the kids, do it. Cause then you get to like go out and do adult things that you could never do. If you have three little kids yeah. in a hotel, you can't just leave them by themselves. No, and we yeah. could, we could do that because mm-hmm. she wouldn't do. And the thing is that she just wouldn't sit around with them either, man. She would take them on adventures. Like they would sure. go do stuff. They mm-hmm. loved her truly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's awesome. It was, it was all the way around a very cool, odd a very strange experience <laughs> yeah, well i want to cycle towards towards your current story that we were talking yeah. about but yeah. um are you still awesome. working in the brewery life are you still because you worked in the breweries in ann arbor are I you still the doing- brewery i owned a brewery in ann arbor okay. um, yep i was part owner and i channeled my um being booted from that experience by my male business partners into the the this sort book. of writing incident for this book um, I wasn't divorced. I didn't divorce a guy, but it kind of felt that way. It felt like a divorce because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was ugly and came from out of nowhere. Um, it was very um, precipitated by a guy who did not want me to be the face of the business anymore, even though it was only a business because right. I made it that way. So mm-hmm. I owned it and I did everything for it for the better part of five years, you know, mm-hmm. Um, live there practically, you know, and so it was hard. And I, it's what 2015 is when I was asked to leave. Um, okay. And with no re- good reason, except I knew what was going on. But at the time, that was kind of pre, uh, you can't do this to me. Uh, you know mm. what I mean? And I, I am of an age where I'm just old enough to also be like, okay. You know, I don't, you, what am I going to do? They own, and they, they pushed me out very clever. And I channeled it again into the story um, by doing uh, capital calls for money mm-hmm. that I didn't have. And nor did I commit to them for money. My contract was for basically free labor. Mm-hmm. I owned a piece of the business because I did everything free for the first two years. And then I started to draw a tiny salary. And then they wanted me to run the bar. And I mean, I'm the only one in the group. These dudes had wives who took care of their kids. 
They yeah. like to come to my kids. But yet they want to be in the bar. Do you know what that entails? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're there every night until mm-hmm. three in the morning. And it, so I did it until I found someone to come run it for me. And then that kind of set some things in motion and they decided they didn't want me around anymore. That sucks. It did. It did suck. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes. And um, the whole world that I had no knowledge of, and now I do, and I, um, 80% of the people I met and got to know are amazing people. Um, yeah. men and women. I mean, I know plenty of dudes who would never have done that to me and plenty of guys who were like, how can they do that? Isn't that like Disney firing Mickey Mouse? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you have to ask them. But, you know, it was, again, it was, of a, it was a certain time. It was 2015. There was not a whole lot of, there was not a lot of women starting to say, step up. Now, it, since then, um, I've been in contact with some groups because the brewing business is very male dominated mm-hmm. and very sexist and full mm-hmm. of bullshit, mostly. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You no, said it. swear away. Yeah. I'm going to say that sounds like some bullshit to me. <laughs> well, it is. It is. And it's, um, and it's not changed, but there's a couple, there's a couple of groups I'm part of now. One is called, one is called women of the beer revolution. And a lot of, um, it's out of England, but it's, um, you know, they're raising money for, you know, to give scholarships. I helped found a, a, a nonprofit group in Michigan called Fermenta. We also did scholarships for women kind of coming up in the industry. Um, but it's still hard. It's hard. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a lot of places are just full of it, you know, full of, full of all of it, sexism, racism, all of it, all of it. And it's bad. It's very bad. Um, so I'm in some groups now that we're trying to raise awareness of that. Um, and at the same time, maintain the fact that we like it. I like the smell of beer being made. I mean, I like the business and I like it enough. I have a lot of books kind of based in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time I went um, fully at the whole problem with it, um, with Andy's story in mm-hmm. this book. Mm-hmm. Are you, yeah, so are I, you getting back into it? Uh, no, I, I never really left completely. I stayed, I did consulting for four or five breweries mm-hmm. after that. Um, I worked, uh, helped, mostly helping with distribution, distributor relations. And then I went to the other side, went to the dark side, worked for a distributor for a while mm-hmm. and which was kind of cool because it really gave me a full circle understanding of the industry. That's what I'm thinking. When you work for both sides, then yeah. people can't people can't fuck with you because you're like, I know, I know too much. Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm not averse to getting back into it, except for the fact that um, it's a crowded market right now. And what I like to do is provide. I I, I don't ever think I want to be a part of a brewery again. I would be. I would remain a consultant. Um, now, since we moved, we moved from Michigan to central Illinois and now we're getting ready to move again, but that's a whole nother story. Um, mm-hmm. But um, there's some small breweries here and one really big one that's famous distill um, that I've gotten to know. And I just, you know, I like to go there. I like to talk with people um, and I work now, or I have been working with the um, Humane Society. They had a need for some marketing and fundraising help. So I'm like, I can do that. I love animals. So I've done that for the last year and I've done some fundraisers at breweries and stuff, kind of pulling in the two things that I love. So um, I don't know that I would ever get back into it completely. It would have to be a very special situation offered to me. (laughs) Well, I I live at a brewery just (laughs) Oh, yeah? I do. It used to be a brewery and they've, com- they've converted it into artist lofts. So everybody oh, now who lives here. Huh? Where? In Los Angeles. Like, oh, um, nice. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's like these huge warehouses. So I live in like a big warehouse, but like the floors and stuff like that, and bolts and all sorts of like, you know, very. Um, I think it was a PB. What's what's the one? PBR. PBR. Yeah, I think it used to be a PBR brewery. Uh, retro, retro. Hey, I'm headed to Los Angeles today. Today? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> if, if you want to visit, I'll send you my address. I'm coming out because my husband's were, been working out there since May. He got a different job. He works mm-hmm. in the electronic car companies realm now. Realm, yeah. Um, and so he's out there, and um, we're getting ready to move South Carolina to be. That's where we're going to be home based. Um, but it's our 30th anniversary, so uh-huh. I'm like. I said, I said, plan some things. He's not a surprise guy, right? He's not that guy. And I'm, and my daughters went to visit him a couple of weekends ago. And I told them, I said, tell him to plan some surprise shit or else, you know, yeah. <laughs> a milestone, milestone. Yeah. So, none of it's a surprise. Cause the man is incapable of surprising me. He just, yeah. I just can't wait to me, Right. So we're going to go to Hamilton. Nice. Uh-huh. And we're going to go glamping at in Temecula. Beautiful. Oh, nice. Okay. Beautiful. Uh, and I, I hate camping, and I'm never going to camp. We're going to glamp. There's glamour and wine. I'm like, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So glamp. I cannot wait. This is the one thing I'm excited about all of that. But we're going to go to the new Academy Museum. Mm, oh, okay. My friends have gone, and they said it's incredible. I, we're just total movie. As a family, we call ourselves the IMBD family because we're like that family that'll be like, hey, wasn't that guy on? And then there's like a race to see who can find out. <laughs> I was on. I mean, that's how our family communicates. That's you and Bridget, man. <laughs> love that's it. Right. So I am so excited about all it's of it. Awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. I actually yeah, just, awesome. I lived in LA as well. Um, and I just moved back to, I actually live in Naperville, Illinois. Oh, so, yeah. oh my God, hi. I'm in, I'm in Bloomington, so I probably. Oh, okay, a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, usually we save this question for the end, but since you mentioned your 30th anniversary, I'll ask you now. Um, We usually ask our people, like, what is your, so you write, like, happily ever afters in your books, but what is your sort of advice or personal experience on sustaining a happily ever after in real life? Wow. Uh, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because um, I don't know. It's, I think it has to take a, whatever form it takes naturally for those people. Because for my husband and I, we're actually, um, he's been gone since May and I've seen him three or four times and that's okay. That works for us. Like Mm -hmm. when he was doing some consulting from home or during COVID, when he was actually Mm -hmm. working for a company, but from home, Mm-hmm. I thought I had died and gone to hell. I'm like, you got to yeah. get away. I can't stand it. You're making me <laughs> insane, right? Um, separation for us works pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a divide and conquer thing, mm-hmm. um, which is weird. And we're not traditional in that way. Like um, our family dinner, you know, was on Sunday. That was like the only time we were ever together. And we only did it because my mom who lived in Ann Arbor with us, made the dinner and insisted that we all sit down at the same time because my kids were busy. I had one in soccer, one in football, mm-hmm. one doing other, I mean, they were everywhere. And then my mm-hmm. husband worked late, you know, it was odd. Yeah. Um, and I won't say it's not, it wasn't perfect. We didn't, it's not, we had our, we had our moments and we tried some things to spice things up that backfired on us. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, but we did try. Right. Mm-hmm. And we sure. acknowledge about ourselves that, okay, that's not what it was that we needed. So, sure. <laughs> um, 
we are, as we approach our retirement years, I think we are getting, he and I are, it's, we've actually hit a nice uh, medium. Uh, uh, I don't know, like we've, we've come to like the middle on a lot of things about mm-hmm. how we should retire and what we want to do. Um, and I think that's helping us time. So maybe give it time. Um, mm-hmm. Give it time because it's not, and I tell us because both my daughters are living with their boyfriends now and anticipate they will get married, you know, and, um, and they're, you know, it's not like they ask my advice, but sometimes they'll be like, well, he did such and such. And I'm like, because he's a guy, you got to either deal with it or, you know, confront it and mm-hmm. talk about it or don't. But if you don't realize he's going to do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> until it's a serious problem and it's going to be a big blow up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know this from experience because that's how I did it. Okay. My parents were like non-communicators. So my, my, what I saw was sort of a don't ask, don't tell kind of relationship. Like they, Mm -hmm. they communicated enough, but not enough, but not enough. And so that was kind Mm -hmm. of how I came at it. Right. And my husband had a really screwed up dysfunctional mess of a upbringing. So he had no clue either. None, you know, so we just kind of made up our own way. (laughs) I honestly, I honestly think that's good advice is like a make up your own way and give it some time because, um, me and my family, I've been married for five and a half years feels right. And one thing I always get shocked at is when people get divorced after like six months or a year, I mean, and, and I'm not, I'm not like obviously excluding anyone who's got like domestic violence or any sort of huge thing that you're like, no, that's make a break. I'm talking about like just general, like they got married and then it's six months later and now they're getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And I'm always surprised because, you know, like I I sort of went into marriage with like the, okay, if we're going to be married, we married at 30. If we're going to be married for 50 years, Mm -hmm. like there's gotta be at least 10% of those years that aren't going to be great. Because 10% of the years in general life by myself weren't great. You know what I mean? 10% of the years that I've currently lived on this planet had some shitty times because of work, because of friends, because of just like my own hormonal, you know, problems and going through different moves and anxieties and just like life stress and pandemics and yada yadas. And so I sort of go into it with like a real, I like that longevity view because like, yeah, okay, the last two months haven't been great. However, the two months before that were great and probably they'll be great months again. You just got to like... Mm-hmm. It reminds me, like, I always uh, think that anything that irks you, like, within the six, the first six months of, like, a relationship, right, if you don't nip it the first time it happens, it will exist in your relationship forever. Yes. Like, so I don't let anything slide in that first six months. I'm like, nope, that's not me. You have the wrong one, you know? Um, and I, re- mm-hmm. I always remember my mom telling me that uh, she told me that, like, uh, love is not this constant, Right. She said, one, you have to choose it. Like mm-hmm. you feel it first, but afterwards it's a choice. And two, and two marriage, when she's like, marriage just creates a stage for love to come, to come and go, you know? So you'll have love and then sometimes you won't and you just, and you just stick with it because love will, you know, love will come again. And it's this thing. And I find that there's no truer statement <laughs> that I found because some you have these highs and it's amazing. And then sometimes you just want to murder them and let nobody mm-hmm. find that body. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you love them again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yes, yes to all of that. Um, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I will be honest with you. You know, I, um, because I got to bring it back to books. For sure. um, just, I write that kind of book. 
I mean, those are the kind of books I write. I mean, I don't, my, and I don't, and I've got a solid loyal fan base, um, but most of them are older, Mm -hmm. honestly, because they get it and they're like, okay, you're writing about relationships where these people have seen the puppet strings. Okay. (laughs) They've peeled back the curtain and they understand it, you know, and that does not mean I always, I, I, I'm a romance writer. So I guarantee every book is going to end happily. Um, Mm -hmm. but the, the journey there is not always Mm -hmm. because I like to read that. And I'm not saying other ways of writing romance are wrong. No, whatever you want to write or read is what you should be writing and reading. What I like to write and read is about people um, making the journey, the, like the journey through marriage or mm-hmm. whatever relationship there is to get to a point where, and this might bite me in the ass, you know, cause you're like, knock wood right now, things are great. <laughs> All right. You know, um, and I hope that they stay that way, but it's taken me, 30 years of marriage and I've known this man from the, my freshman year of college right which was longer than 30 years ago mm-hmm. um I met him I, I went to the University of Louisville because um, I grew up in Kentucky and um my I moved into my little freshman dorm and my cousin Brian who was close we were very close growing up um he, he was in a fraternity and he came so, okay let's go over and have you know I'll meet, meet the guys whatever and have a drink first day of college and like <laughs> Okay. You're like, how cool am I? <laughs> you know? So I go over there and I go to the house and uh, the University of Louisville Greek system at the time, this was in the eighties. All right. Um, very mellow, small Greek system, like not at all what it is anymore. I would never do it now. Um, probably neither would my husband, but and we talked about that. But, but at the time it was just a bunch of dudes and sitting around drinking beer and whatever. And so I go meet, I go in there and um. I meet a bunch of guys and to this day I can, I'm, we're a friend. I'm friends with all these guys, every single one of them. They're great guys. Um, and my cousin is like, okay, you can date him. You can date him. You can date, you can date all these guys, except that guy. Of course. And that's when you marry. <laughs> of course. Of course. And so it was kind of, and he was, did about, he try to, he did he try to like reverse he psychology? Was like, I mean, I had a girlfriend, but you know, standing. <laughs> And I'm like, Ooh, you know? <laughs> and I swear to God, something about him. And I literally remember, and we danced around each other and flirted for two years. And then we had, a, then we broke the ice, let's say, and had a friend yeah. with benefits relationship. We were hanging out, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't want to commit. And I, to this day, He'll joke, and sometimes he gets his back up about it. And I'm like, "Well, I dated almost everybody in the fraternity before I settled on you." He's like, "Yes, I know." Do <laughs> 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 you know but, how, my, how my friends have, like end up marrying their friends with benefits person? It's I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the, the easiness of the like allowing the, that like, intimacy to build. And that does not imply that it was easy, you know, because both he and I had kind of in our own ways screwed up mm-hmm, growings up, you know, um, yeah. and all that baggage, you know, and then when you finally commit, and so we lived together. So we lived together, he graduated, moved to Nashville to go to Vanderbilt grad school, business school. And then I graduated the next year and moved down there and we moved in together and I started working at United Way. Um, and then we started moving around doing our thing. Then he got his degree and we ended up in Michigan, which is where we stayed until we went overseas and came back. So, um, I have been that trailing spouse 
that's been me. I have mm-hmm. found something to do everywhere I've gone, yeah. but it was an understatement. And that's, you know, and I might have two daughters mm-hmm. who are the polar opposite of me on that point. And I think that's what they took from, mm-hmm. a, from it. They love their dad. They do. Um, mm-hmm. He can be a pain like most dads. Um, and he can be, um, you know, he's just a dad, right. But he's mm-hmm. devoted to them. And they both are living with men who will be stay home dads, probably, mm-hmm. you know, one's yeah. at vet school. She's at vet school in Purdue. The other one is in Canada. She's at the university of Toronto getting a master's degree in engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both like go-getters and they want the middle grace um, has said to me, she goes, I will never have kids unless I'm married to someone who will stay home with them. I'm like, well, go do it. And then I think, I think she found him. Dear romance besties. If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope-ass website. Thanks for the commission. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. Now, Bridge, let's get back to the ratings. Yes. I think, like, the cool thing about it is uh, um, er, about, like, the information, because I feel like every generation has that same thing where they, like, respond to the generation before. But I feel like now, like, society is moving faster. And so, whereas, like, if you had wanted to find someone who would be a stay-at-home dad, that would have been so much harder because the expectations for a man in your generation were that you go to work, you provide. And now, like, how wonderful is it that that is, like, a possibility for people who are strong-willed go-getters, like, who want to go and have a career to be like, you know, it's perfectly reasonable for me to find someone who wants to be a stay-at-home dad because there's plenty of men who want to marry someone who's going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I think it's great that there's, like, that equality. I always joke with my husband because he works at a startup, so he works all the time and, and, uh, you know, it's very stressful and blah, blah, blah. So, um, at the moment I work less because we have two little kids. And so I consult and run my own business, but I, I only do like 15 hours a week, maybe 20 max because I got to deal with all the other things. And he always jokes and we always joke together that like, as soon as he like retires, cause his company gets sold and, or goes public or whatever, that then he's like going to be so excited. He's going to take like a year off work, be like the stay at home dad so that I can start working more. Um, but it's, it's cool that now that that's a possibility that you yeah. can go back and forth versus. Yeah, you know, it is. It is. And you know, um, I did. Also, also, I think your love story is a book. I'm just saying you go to college on your first day, you Literally. meet a boy that Literally. you're going to fall in love with. He made, listen, he made, uh, That's a story right we still joke about it, a picture. He was, he made a picture of gin and tonic. And I'm like, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, you like, know, uh, like, I came from this little town and I'm a preacher's kid and I'm not yeah. a total innocent, mind you. I mean, I've done my fair share of bad things in high school that you do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I was, I was like a hayseed, you know, in the big city. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I remember he was like, you know, happy first day of school, pouring drinks around, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, a bad boy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is a story right there. <laughs> out of that romance novel. The tension of them going back and forth, but she's oh, doing other I mean, friends. I, we did like he, we would go to, cause um, it was a, I ended up joining a sorority and, um, you know, we would have social, so he and I ended up both being the social director 
mm. of our two imagine that's just us right that was our mm-hmm. perfect fit for our personality so we kept that job like no one else wanted to do it and we so we would plan all the you know even the formal stuff mm-hmm. and he, we never went with each other until he was about to graduate and he was like on this five-year engineering thing and mm-hmm. so um he was about to graduate and then we finally went to a formal event together as a couple and everyone's just like yeah so what you're always together it's fine (laughs) (laughs) totally that felt like something to me i'm like oh this is i'm just saying it's your next book and i expect to read it in six to 12 months that's all i'm saying about it (laughs) um how did you start writing because you said you weren't writing when you were traveling so what was sort of the writing start I, I timed that very badly and decided to start doing that when I was full-time selling real estate. I had all my kids and various things. Now, my mom had retired and moved um, to Michigan to help me. And thank God for her because she did help me a lot because kids were everywhere, right, before they started driving. And so she helped with that. But then uh, remember when I said, you know, we tried some things to mm-hmm. spice up the marriage? Well, one of the things we tried is that my husband bought a box full of erotic romance from Amazon and had it shipped to me without telling me anything about it. Now I'm a love reader, I'm a reader, right? I love to read. I consume books. Like I read really fast too. Cause I, my mom taught me to read using the Montessori method, which I can't explain, but I can read faster than almost anybody. It's like, I can look at a sentence and absorb the whole sentence at once kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like I don't, I don't know. I'm a atrocious speller as a mm-hmm. result as well. But anyway, so I read lots of books. And so I opened up this book and it was at this moment, like, in your marriage, when the kids are the age and you're busy, everybody's busy, everybody's stressed, right? There's money issue, no matter what, right? We weren't rich people. We were just normal people, right? So mm-hmm. we're always like worried about how are we going to, are we saving okay. enough for tuition? And I was real estating it basically to pay college tuitions, no other reason. So he was paying for everything else, you know? Sure. Um, so all the stress, right? And you just forget about each other. Mm. You just pass in the evenings, right? Literally. Mm. And um, that's not how our relationship started at all, you know? And so he got me this book of erotic stuff to read. And I'm looking at it going, what is this? You know, like, okay, fine. So I picked up and out of the book box of, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 books, two or three of them were excellent. And the rest of it was okay. But I read it all, you know, mm-hmm. and it had the desired effect, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. He reaped the reward, and that was a very smart thing for him to do. Like, it right. me from my reading brain, right? That's right. Um, and then I started, like, like saying, oh, well, well, they should have done this in this story. If this would have been a better story, if, right? Mm-hmm. I would have liked this. I would have felt better about the story, if. He's like, mm-hmm. shut up and write something. Here's a laptop. <laughs> mm-hmm. that is, that's how I, I, I started writing fan fiction that's when I was a teen, <laughs> is because I would read romance. And I'm like, that ending was so booty. I it's garbage. So I just rewrite the ending. I, I the story to right. all, like to the point I like, and then rewrite the ending. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, no, and a lot. That's how a lot of people started. I didn't. I didn't write any fan fiction. And um, my my first, you know, the first goes were all oh, so bad. Like, but I got my first book published uh, technically in 2010. It is with a um, uh, a company that's no longer in existence. Um, but you know, I've kind of worked my way up and I've got a few small publishers that I work with now. I had an agent, lost an agent. I mean, I've been through the whole thing. Um, and I've decided I'm actually working on a thriller right now. Um, cause that's my kind of my second favorite genre is mysteries and thrillers. And so I, I had an idea for one and I wrote it the whole thing and subbed it out, queried. I've done the whole querying nightmare 
Mm-hmm. Um, got like 50, literally 50 rejections, some with suggestions. And then I now working with a manuscript developer on it. And um, he said, you know, this is a good book. If you want it, to, if you want to publish it and call it romantic suspense, it's not a thriller because it's a different thing altogether. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean? He goes, well, first of all, keep these two things and then delete the entire rest of the document. <laughs> so I did. And then he made me do homework. I read a bunch of other thrillers. Mm. I watched some movies, you know, and he's taught me a whole lot. And um, he's taught me that I have to outline, which is something I never did before. Mm. He said, you cannot pants your way through a thriller because no, no, everything links together. And you have to, so we have spent this year since January, February ish working together. And he's made me outline. I finally have an outline. Now I don't work at it full time. because I've got this other job and I'm actually writing up for other publishers. You know, I had the whole, um, what happens in Denver come out and I've written its sequel already. So, so I finally got the um, outline, right? He goes, okay, cool. Now write the first chapter. That's it though. I'm like, uh, okay. So I write the first chapter. He's like, this is good. We toyed with it. He goes, now write the last chapter. The last chapter. I'm like, what? I said, I can't do that. He goes, yeah, you can. You know what's going to happen. You have your outline. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on right now. But then I'm trying to move and everything. So I've kind of taken some my eyes off of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that's where my journey has come. You know, I feel like I feel good about it, but I've got several projects. I'm going to 100% um, indie publish for myself. I've gotten cool. some right back to a bunch of my books that I'm going to um, work on promoting, cool. you know, um, cause that's yeah. what I do. People pay me to tell them how to market. I mean, like, why don't I do that for myself? I don't know. And that was another um, great thing. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So, right. you know, it's, uh, I'm gonna, it's gonna, I'm gonna take a different direction with it next year a little bit and see if that helps. Cause I've, I've cool. done the whole agent route. It didn't work for me. And I know it was just a bad pairing and I could probably find somebody, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't know that but, I need that anymore. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't do think this. an hour yeah. is long enough to see <laughs> Like I'm like, I have so many more questions. I want to know so far. Oh my god! It's like it's an adventure. No, I mean I am in it. I am here for you, Liz. I'm like, oh my god. That's my problem. You have to have a hard time shutting me up. So, yes. well, I'd love to talk again. You oh, just let me know when you want to do it, because we can do like part two once yeah. I get this really done. Oh yeah, when that you're done with the throw, let us know, and we'll do part two. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is such a blast. I always love talking about traveling and books and fun and relationships. And yeah, everybody uh, go check out Liz's books. You can find them on all major retailers at Amazon and on her website. LizCrow.com. I just had it redone. It's pretty. (laughs) Well, until next time, dear friends, I'm your books for your lover. And your hand, your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.